0: I'm so sorry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Dismantle Racism. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and we aim on this show to help uh, uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. And we really want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. Today, we are going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and the world of marketing. But as always, I'd like to begin our show out by asking you to breathe. I just want us for a moment to center ourselves and really be very conscious of our breath and know that it is life itself. So that no matter what we are confronting, even difficult and uncomfortable conversations such as race and racism, that if we just take a deep breath in, it centers us, it redirects us, it guides us, it calms us, and it really helps us to tune into what we are thinking and feeling. But most importantly, it helps us to tune into divine wisdom so that as we take a breath, and we tune into our sacred source, we will know what to say and how to say it when conversations are difficult. So take a deep breath in and release it and know that you are exactly where you need to be and you do have the power to change your community and to dismantle racism. Deep breath in and sigh it out. I am so delighted today to be talking to today's guest because he has years of experience in the marketing world. And as a psychologist, I know how important it is to have the right information out there for us in order to shape our ways of thinking our values, and even sometimes our morality. I know that as a psychologist who's worked with teenagers, I know how easy it is for them to be influenced and to believe what they see based on commercials, based on what they see on the internet, based on what they see in magazines. And we also know that things are targeted for certain groups of people. The ways in which we understand who we are depends on what we see in the world. The ways in which we understand who we are as an individual and as a people, it really starts with how the world projects who they expect us to be, what is considered right, what is considered wrong, what products we should buy, what clothes for instance we should wear i had the privilege of listening very recently to a podcast and in this podcast there the journalist was interviewing a black man who was writing uh, was really kind of talking about his experience as a child watching the dukes of hazards now i must admit i watched the dukes of hazards when i was little I grew up in Mississippi, and so I could identify a lot with the characters that were on the Dukes of Hazzard. But if you will recall, this show was really about these uh, cousins, I believe, who had this race car named the General Lee, and on top of the General Lee was the Confederate flag. Now, growing up in Mississippi, it was nothing for me to see the Confederate flag. I didn't even think anything about it. Therefore, I didn't even think anything about this show. But what occurred to me as I was listening to these uh, two gentlemen talk, these two black gentlemen talk, they spoke about getting those cars when they were little, that they had to have a Dukes of Hazzard's car. And what was really interesting was, as they said, we were hoodwinked because we didn't even realize that the very car that we wanted was a car that had the symbols of a flag and a person who really wanted to dehumanize us. So what does that say when the marketing world hoodwinks us in such a way that we want the very products that are meant to hold us down? So today, I'm so delighted to get into the mindset of one who has spent years marketing, someone who has spent years helping their clients understand their customers. Now, I'm not saying he was necessarily one of these individuals, but we're going to check into that and and see. So I'm delighted today because I have with me Ed Farolo. And Ed Farolo has been a a marketing expert for years. He was the chief marketing officer for Cigna, and he worked with them for over 10 years, but he has his own company now called Vitalinks, where he does marketing and business consulting. He does brand development with individuals, and he helps clients to understand their customers. Now, I know from talking to Ed, he has changed over time in the ways in which he thinks about marketing. So we're going to dig into that because I'm very curious to know what he has learned over time and for him to help us to understand the marketing world and how the more we know, the more we can become aware and uncover, the more we can begin to dismantle racism. And it's very important, whether you are a person of color or a white person listening to this To understand what people are selling when they sell to you. So, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Ed Farolo. Ed, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you are with me.
1: I'm very happy to be here, Dr. TLC.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ed, you know, I always start out asking people about what grounds them, just in general. But I believe that the work of dismantling racism, the work of serving other people, it, it can be very daunting, but also just getting through our day-to-day life. I believe there's it's important for us to be grounded in something that helps us to move throughout our day. So do you have a particular practice or is there a particular faith tradition that helps to ground you in the work that you do?
1: Well, um, you know, I think if you open your ears up and open your eyes up throughout your life, you'll start to see that everything is connected somehow. Um, I was originally um, attracted to the advertising business um, for all those shallow reasons. And it's not, that's not a judgment or dispersion. I mean, you know, the cosmetics of it are very cool and attractive, Uh, especially you're, you're 22, 23 years old and you're getting involved in this. Um, But when you're that young, too, you don't understand what else perhaps is going on, mm-hmm. and I can't speak for for anybody else except myself. Nor, nor do I position myself as anyone that's you know found any kind of great secret or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, what I, I started to come to the realization that those in advertising or the advertising practice itself is a wonderful practice on one level because. You truly, if you do it right, and not many do, by the way, if you do it, and then we go into that one. If you do it right, you're getting into the heart and soul of what really drives people. The ability to really resonate with them in an extremely, extremely meaningful way. Um, and then I've always had this phrase, especially when I went to the corporate side, that. Um, It's a shame that all the talent that goes into advertising development is squandered on advertising. Mm. And I mean, because of the study you have to go through, uh, it's a mixture of science. It's a mixture of art. Uh, There's a lot of in-depth thinking. There's a lot of uh, knee-jerk reactions. There's a lot of dealing with a lot of crazy people, um, both internally and in your companies and client situations. But by that I mean, uh, you reach a certain point where you're saying, "I, I want to do something more than just kind of help sell stuff," mm-hmm. uh, there's anything wrong with that? Because that's what drives everything, right? Um, so it it led me to kind of utilize this craft to say uh, there could be something more, there could be something deeper, um, and it led me to um, uh, you know actually uh, leave, leave that world, leave the corporate world, start my own business. Uh, to be able to help companies be more vital to the customers they serve. In other words, really understand them, understand their values. How do you link with them? And I actually did have a prayer not too many years ago Mm. where I basically, (laughs) I prayed and we all go through rough patches. It was a little rough patch then. And I said, um, you know, you, I prayed saying, you know what my capabilities are, you know what I can do. Uh, I want to do it for people in need and places that need that kind of service. Uh, but I also want to get paid for it, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, I, all oh, this, vol- by the way, a lot of these organizations deserve people that get paid for their services as opposed to, oh, let me take care of this off the side and feel like I'm a good person. Mm. And, um, and it led to really a lot of involvement in some very interesting assignments, uh, Related to people, with developmental disabilities, even a, a, an assignment related to public housing, and there's a there's a few others. So I'll, I'll we could save that a little bit for later because get a little bit deeper into your topic. But long story short, consider your 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 life a journey and look for those little symbols that will open your mind up to a greater path. Mm. Yeah, and just just a quick one because a reminder. I don't want to forget this. Very very early on, I was working in an ad agency in New York. And it was on the liquor business, the booze business, where we all sit around thinking, "Oh, this is for an affluent audience, and uh, people feel great about themselves." And it was a really wonderful assignment. One day, I was walking back to the train, and I saw in the gutter a broken pint bottle of the whiskey that I was working on. And for <laughs> some reason, the way that was in the gutter, the sun reflected back up into my eye, and I never forgot it. Now, I went to the train, and I I said to myself, "That's a reminder of." Who's really utilizing your product right now, in spite of what you're saying? And, you know, um, and I, I just parking lot that thought, I didn't do anything much about it. But that thought comes back years later, as perhaps that was something that just planted a seed in your head saying there's something a little bit deeper than this.
0: You know, so that is that is great, because it's great. Uh Segue actually into terms of talking in terms of talking about consciousness around the way that you market. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that after the break, though, because it's time for us to to take really? a break, and we'll and we'll be right back so that we can discuss a little bit more. How does one's consciousness as a marketing expert play into? What you advertise. We'll be right back. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr.
2: TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen
1: Fry, your small and medium sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc.
2: Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness?
0: I'm back. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC of Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Ed Farolo. Ed, you know, you were talking about seeing that liquor bottle on the ground, and it didn't really change you in the moment, but you started thinking about who's using your product. So it makes me think about how I opened the show with talking about the Dukes of Hazard and really talking about this this undercurrent message that it sends to young children of color in particular it's okay it's okay for you to you know applaud this particular um symbol that is meant to dehumanize you and I'm wondering just as a person who engages in marketing is there ever a sense of consciousness around what You are marketing, who you're marketing to, and how it might be detrimental to a particular group of people?
1: It depends um, on the product, the service. So I guess you could interpret that as sort of a no. Um, You know, so when I started thinking about uh, like the liquor business, there were certain brands that certainly played more to the Black community. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the, There'd be the billboards around those communities and so forth. You'd see them on the train as you went through the Bronx or northern Manhattan. Um, now, you know, you could argue that that's fine because these are people that are consuming that and anything in moderation is fine. The question is, what are these companies doing uh, relative to other problems that may may happen related to it? OK, do mm-hmm. you have populations that have a higher level of alcoholism. And all the things that go with it, um, you really should be doing something to really promote um, uh, a lot more moderation on that. Mm-hmm. And I will say the client was Seagram's at the time. Um, they probably out of any of them did a lot more on the moderation front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could actually argue that maybe that was just to, you know, make them feel better about it. But mm-hmm. at least something there. So it depends on the company, it depends on the product. On the insurance side, I have to give the insurance industry some credit uh, on this where because it's much more of a service that's out there, um, there were a lot more people that were conscious of, um, what are some of the disparities that happen and that are going on with, with some of the populations. So mm-hmm. health disparities, gender disparities, those words are probably being almost misconstrued right now because everyone's kind of running to their own corners, mm-hmm. but, um, really what these were about was that certain diseases hit African-Americans and Hispanics and others harder than other people, mm. um you know and uh they at least were trying to figure out what to do about that
2: mm-hmm. so
1: yeah there was some consciousness but at the end of the day you have to remember what is their job what is their mission their mission is to sell um their product and i i think you have to temper your expectations from those organizations there's only so much you can expect from them
0: well Well, yes and no, because I think that we have to hold them accountable is what we have to do. And when you talk about um, marketing to certain neighborhoods, it's really interesting that if we open our eyes, we'll see in certain neighborhoods that there will be uh, marketing as it relates to alcohol, for instance. Let's just use that. The billboards might be there to sell you the alcohol, but will it be so much in more affluent neighborhoods, even though? Affluent people drink as well. And so when we want to talk about dismantling racism, I think as a company in particular, if we want to serve the people who are our clients, not necessarily just focus on uh, getting money, money, money only, and then marketing in those neighborhoods, things that are toxic to them, or not just physically, but things that are toxic emotionally, I think for me, for a company who chooses to say, I'm going to stand up and we're not going to do this. We're going to be one of the companies who say, no, we're going to care about the people we serve. I actually think they can make more money doing it that way.
1: Yeah, you know, and again, it it depends. I think um, uh, you have to be careful of hypocrisy, um, that I think a lot of them are risking right now. I mean, just to go back to your statement about the liquor companies. They certainly did go after the affluent audiences, mm-hmm. and still do because that's where their money is. That's where the most biggest profit margins are. Uh, they may not be the billboards because these folks aren't living by highways, um, but certainly in the media they're consuming that um, they're promoting the brands that have the biggest higher profit margins. So, you know, they and, and you see that with a with a number of different uh, products and services. But you know, for example, uh, companies like uh, Wendy's and um, Popeye's, and I think um, maybe McDonald's did this too, you know, especially with all the various protests, they're making um, statements that they were in support. Well, that's fine and good. But I'm going to go back to what I just said from what I learned when I was in the insurance industry. Their products are actually at the heart of some of the problems and the health problems that mm-hmm. the minority populations have. Mm-hmm. So how do they really help? Do they just pay off? Do mm-hmm. they just pay a Basically, it's like companies paying a fine and they go about their business. So now all of a sudden, I'm a little bit more enlightened. Um, Mm. I'm hiring more uh, people of color in my executive ranks. I can put them on my board and my website. Um, But let's face it, at the end of the day, that's the business model. They're pushing out a lot of the chicken, a lot of the burgers, a lot of the fries and you have to once again, look at where is there a higher percentage or higher concentration of that business coming from? So,
0: Yeah. And so really, Ed, what you're saying is it all boils down to money, no matter how you're looking at it. Because, And I hear you saying they are not uh, walking the talk or talking out of both sides of their mouths because sure, I know that affluent people drink and I know that that's a high profit margin, but here are the subtle ways that Really, it perpetuates racism when we continue to see billboards in communities of color, because not only does it perpetuate this, for instance, drinking or or eating food that's not good for you, it perpetuates it in people of color's mind as well, or the people who live in those neighborhoods, but also for white folks, because white folks will say, oh yeah, that's what they drink, that's what they eat, this is all you know, this is why they have diabetes and et cetera, et cetera. It actually perpetuates misinformation as well because I've heard doctors even say, oh, you know, people of color have more diabetes because they don't eat right, for instance, without understanding that the foods that that some neighborhoods get are very different Absolutely. from the foods. That they have. And, and so really in marketing is a part of that.
1: Right, 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 and you know, um, and again, we all see the world a little bit differently. And um, I, I will tell you, just from my own experiences, I, I don't think there has been one company that I've ever worked with that has said that has actually consciously thought, "Oh, you know what? I want to sell this horrible product to black neighborhoods, you know, because I have a I have a bit of a racist agenda." No, what they've been seeing is a higher percentage of certain consumption. It's a chicken and egg that happens. So they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But to your point, there's a deeper issue that happens. This is my issue with marketing overall and advertising. That's why I said earlier, it's shallow. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: you have to be careful about your expectations of the industry because they still got to figure out how do they thrive and make some money out of all this. Mm -hmm. Um, But to your point, and that's why I think sometimes the insurance industries need to step up to some of this a little bit more deeply, because what happens is people that are, that, that are consuming this now have a higher health risk, which means now they can't get the same kind of coverage that other people can get because of the way things are written, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and, and you can like talk about it as a racist agenda, or you could talk about it as this has got to be solved somehow agenda, <laughs> you yeah. know, and somehow it's got to truly be solved related to it, because to your point, access is not there. I If I was if I was being brought up, I, I have a, a client where I had to go into Queens, a uh, section of Queens, and if I wanted to eat healthy, I couldn't. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to eat healthy, I couldn't. All yeah. right. I didn't have the and if I even what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go into Manhattan at a whole food store, you know, right. <laughs> and pay but, for it.
0: But Ed, what you're saying, I if if I could just um sort of reiterate a little bit what you're talking about is that the truth of the matter is when you talk about people aren't intentionally racist, they're not going into the marketing saying that I would agree that folks are not intentionally racist, but racism does not require intent or malice, right? Is that it's built in to a systemic society that says you give these people over here, this, and these people over here that, right? And we have to begin to, um, take a look at the ways, and this is really what you're talking about when you're saying go to a deeper level. We have to take a look at the ways in which we are showing up for our fellow human beings. And, And you're actually showing the dotted lines here that if we don't eat right, it impacts our health, and then it impacts our ability to get insurance. So therefore, it actually impacts a whole medical system insurance companies lose out on this. Hospitals lose out on this when you see repeatedly folks coming in that you cannot care for, right? Or cannot pay you to care for them. So it's a big mess.
1: It is, well, yeah, it is a big mess and it's not a mess that gets sort of solved overnight. Um, And this is, you know, I, I think, like I said before, I started alluding to this. There's a lot of companies that are advertising you know how enlightened they are right now, uh, and they're doing it by you know they're donating to this or that and making it very public, um, or they're putting more people of color in their commercials. You know, to, all you know. If I if I if I came into this country just based upon the commercials I saw in the NFL, I would say, oh, is this is interesting. This country seventy percent black people. Mm. You know, and then I then I looked at the stands and the stands are like ninety percent white people. And in the football field, it's about 60 percent black people, you, mm-hmm. know? So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So, you know, so who's as part of me says, you know, let's not mask certain things and call it what you want. But there's issues. You, you have you have uh, uh, what I think squandered talent in a lot of the communities because the same thing keeps the, you know, uh, keeps cycling over and over again. And I'm not sure what the answer is related to some of these companies. whether there are certainly things that they can do internally that's far deeper. There's certainly things that they can do more long term to prepare them to be able to compete uh, in a way that's a little bit more ethical for the people they're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, but just throwing money and advertising and put a banner up, you know, you got to. they need to be held accountable if, if people are very serious about some of these issues.
0: Mm. Well, eh- Ed, we have to take another break, but uh, there, there are two things when we come back. When you, you mentioned the word squandered talent, I'd love to know more about what you mean about that. And then when we return, I'd love to know how you uh, believe that companies should be held accountable for really hypocrisy is almost what you're, you're describing it as because, you know, you're saying they put these people of color up in their marketing, but what does it really mean? And I write a lot about that um, as well. So when we return, we'll come back to those uh, two issues. We'll be right back. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC.
2: Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on TalkRadio.nyc.
0: Are you a cannabis enthusiast? A cannabis professional? or interested in entering the cannabis space. I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Paco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals.
1: Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Paco Lolo, a less taboo view
0: I'm back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. And my guest today is Ed Ferrolo. Ed, uh, before the break, you, you mentioned the word squandered talent. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is that I, I, I used to think about all of this incredible talent that went into develop, developing ad campaigns and marketing programs. Great research people great strategists, amazing creative people. Uh, I mean, just amazing, great production people. I mean, f- f- fabulous, fabulous talent that's out there. All for something that's going to be seen in a moment and then comes and goes. So mm-hmm. I even think about it today in terms of, like I said, I watched the uh, the Giants game on Sunday and I, I, I remember some of those bizarre images, but I can't even remember one of the companies. All right, especially now when there's so much clutter out there. These things come and go. They're like a moment. So there's all this incredible talent that's utilized for solving problems or solving an issue, which is get people to pay attention to something. And then, poof, you you know, it's gone. Um, imagine utilizing some of that talent, that creative talent, to address some of the things that we were just talking about before. Okay? okay. It's you you can't you can't arrest somebody for selling French fries to people, right? But how do you? I mean, if you get to that point, you got a big different kind of problem here. Um, (laughs) But you can certainly utilize that kind of talent to really figure out how do you really um, solve some of this Uh, Mm -hmm. because it's kind of a deep issue, and it's not just the issue from the companies themselves, but it's also the issues in terms of how do you impact the communities.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, so that, that's what I meant about the squandered talent part.
0: Yeah. You know? That's that's so critical what you're saying. I, I I love that idea because it gets to we can also change the marketing while we're also embracing better health for, for instance yeah. and also addressing racism at the same time. So tell us a little bit more about then uh, what are some things that you think companies can do to go below the surface? And not be hypocritical, as you're saying.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, and by the way, it, it's always easy for us to point the finger to somebody else and call them a hypocrite or whatever. And, you know, when you have the, don't have the same kind of uh, problems or challenges they have. So, But I think there's a ton of things you can do. And some of them are quite simple. and They're right in front of their nose, and they don't cost a whole lot of money. Um, I'll give a quick example of it uh, from my Cigna days. And I think a lot of companies have this situation. I went ahead and did some research amongst people who handle the telephones for people calling up about complaints about their health insurance. One of the toughest jobs on earth was about what would compel you to do this job. It was down in I think either South or North Carolina. And I met with um, 10 women that were handling the phones. uh, And they were all black. Um, And as I was talking to them, I was cracked up because I love them because they started pointing up. They go, you see that guy up there? I go, yeah. He goes, that's our manager. He was looking down like this. He goes, he's really mad. He doesn't want us in this focus group. I go, why? He goes, because because, um, we're not on the phones. He goes, he tells us we have to be off the phones within 90 seconds. That's our goal. He goes, we don't listen to him. (laughs) I go, you don't listen to him? This is your boss? You don't listen to him? I go, why don't you listen to him? He goes, they said, people call us up with real problems. A lot of them are senior citizens. They need to be spoken to. On and on and on. I went back. I said, God bless these young ladies you know and um i went back and i said you know i even made a recommendation and, and i didn't fight that hard for the recommendation so shame on me but the recommendation was we were we were pushing a lot about diversity get diverse talent in and whatnot i said are we looking inside you want diverse talent i said i'm the chief marketing officer of this company i just met with 10 young women who know more about our customers know more about our product and service than i do and i'll go as far as to say That's true of everybody in this room. Of course, that didn't go over too well. But Mm -hmm. um, but the point being is you really want diversity. What are you doing in your pipeline? Every Mm -hmm. look at your truck drivers. Okay, look at the people in your warehouses. Look at the people performing customer service who are on the front line of your business. The people that really understand the needs and the pain of your customers, and I will tell you right now, if you do that, you're going to find a very high percentage of them, Black and Latino and you name it, different, you know, they're going to look different. okay? And it's not just going to be people of color coming out of Harvard, mm. who also, by the way, they studied all the books, they've looked at all the textbooks, and, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just some people that kind of look different, but they're all kind of, you know, singing from the same hymnal if you excuse me for like getting a little agitated about this
0: well i can see you're excited about what what you're well,
1: saying but but the point is is that look inside look inside your organization okay it, it, it's really easy to write a hundred million dollar check and to to an organization and say i did my part but if you and by the way if you do this you're you all of a sudden you're not just doing it because you're doing it to feel good you're doing it because you're helping your company you're doing it because they know your customers better than you do. You do it because you're going to have a better profit at the end of the day. You do it because you're going to understand what's happening in those communities. You do it because somebody might actually come up with an idea from those communities that says, you know what, we're sick of the French fries. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so, so Ed, uh, breathe. First of all, I would just <laughs> breathe a little bit as you're talking about this, but I can imagine that someone listening to this show might say, well, Ed, you didn't fight about it hard enough. So so talk to that person who was in your position. What would they need to do to fight? Because it really does take first of all you're a white male who who really has a lot of privilege in this country. So if you a white male going into your company and you said these things, some of these things to them like you need to look at this, but you didn't fight that hard for it. We want to help people have the 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 courage and the voice to do it so what would you say to that person now who's struggling perhaps out there wanting to do what you said but also recognizing that they're one person in that company what would you do differently now because now you you you've You've evolved from that time, so
1: well, you have to you have to stick to it, no matter what you do. And by the way, um, one of the reasons I didn't overly push it was because it did not resonate. The then black head of diversity didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. Now you tell me why?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why it was? Oh, a- I, oh
0: I got some re- some reasons some reasons why that might have happened. But since I was not there, I cannot speak to that because there's also a lot of pressure. Even if you are the lone Black person who is the head of the company, there's a lot of tension that goes there. But I can't speak for then. And even if that person, Black or white, Latina, whatever color they are, didn't want to push it, there are people in the organization who have to take the lead and say, we're going to keep pushing this. So what would you say to, because people are worried about their jobs. They're worried about the money that they and make. My, I mean going to be my, trying...
1: my point being take risks. Mm. You know, don't be afraid of taking risks. You know, if you if you don't mind my observation from looking at a lot of the minority executives I've come in contact with, afraid of certain risks. Mm. And frankly, I don't get it uh because especially now I think more in the position where they can. So and...
0: so, so I have to stop you just for a second. Just so, just cuz we're engaged in this conversation yeah. and Ed, you and I've had yeah, no, no. I... But if we're going to be talking truthfully about racism, it is very difficult for a person of color who are in those positions, executive or not, to make choices that they feel like uh, the rest of the company are not going to be happy with. Because just like for white people who don't want to engage in this, there's this um, pressure, you know, that you could lose your job. Right. You know that you won't have the support that you need, and you're gonna you might be the lone person out there fighting it, just like for a white person. But as a person of color, it's an extra stress and an extra risk because you know that your voice could be taken, no matter if you're at the top or not. And so I don't want, I'm not defending people of color. I want to be very clear about that because I think we all have to take that risk. But I think because of racism, there's that extra component that's added when a person of color is in those top positions now you don't have to believe me you can actually go and talk to people who are in those positions however i think the point of this conversation is that leaders no matter who they are must take the risk and that's the conversation that's really well
1: absolutely and like and my, my only point was is don't My counsel to anybody, white, black, or whomever, is don't overthink this. If you're in one of those executive positions, you're being paid well. Mm. You are being paid well. And I took a lot of risks in my organization and some of the things that we've been able to do and get done. And I got to tell you right now, it is freaking exhausting. It is exhausting. And then when you start seeing that there's this complacency and you Mm. bring some things to the table that make a lot of sense... And you also see at the executive level, it's not a bunch of old white men anymore, you know, especially in that organization. And, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, what was going on here is because I'm actually trying to promote people who are not the college-based. They didn't go through all that. They didn't go through all the different programs. They didn't get through Harvard. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of complexity in that, that suddenly it was like making people uncomfortable. Um, and is that
0: something that led you to your transformation seeing this happening in uh,
1: and yeah I think very much so because I think I kind of at that point was like towards the end of when I pretty much had it with that world Mm -hmm. you know and the world I've been involved in now are kind of more what I'll call everyday people (laughs) you know um you know, who don't, it's what's interesting is they don't put these same kind of pressures on themselves. Mm. They're not making the same kind of money. They're doing fine, but they're not, it's not the same kind of thing, but they're not putting, they don't have these same kind of pressures, whether they're there or they put them on themselves, or it's a combination of all that, you know. Um,
0: so when I hear you talk, Ed, because I know the work that you do now, and I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. And I know that, that you are trying to help uh, people of all, like racist socioeconomic status. You you are really trying to dig in there and change it. And I love that. I love that there needs to be someone with your expertise who's doing that. But I also just want to encourage and to challenge the people who are where you were before, because those companies- we really need to change, too. So I'd love to hear your voice uh, still shouting to the, to the rafters, to these companies, that you must do something to change. And because, one, you are a white male and you have been in that position before, uh, I just want to encourage you and really to challenge you to keep going to those places like you are today, to keep having... These conversations to say you have to do more and you have to step up to the plate because, like you said, I look, I appreciate when you give a million dollars to an HBCU, but I would love if you would do more of the things that you and I have talked about today. So, of course, we have to take a quick (laughs) break and we're going to be right back so we can continue the conversation. So, hold your thought, Ed, uh, and we'll be right back. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back.
1: Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey?
2: Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro,
1: host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern, on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
0: I am back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Ed, uh, before the break, I was challenging you to still continue your message to the um, other CEOs out there, the people who are in top leadership. I don't know if you had a response. I'd love for you, if you had a response to that, to say a little bit more. And then I want to just ask you to talk a little bit about mentoring, because I know that you do a lot of mentoring out there. So uh, talk to me.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I think um, in terms of just to kind of close out on some of the things I was saying earlier is, you know, look in, look inside your companies, please. Go deep. Go deep. Look inside your companies deeply, deeply, deeply. Not just at the, you know, not just the frosting on your cake, but deep inside Mm -hmm. that cake, you know, um, and who's really driving that company. You might find um, the best potential future CEO somewhere that's a diamond in the rough. Mm. You know, there could be, if you're an ad agency, you might find the best writers that are there, best creative people, best God knows what. Um, And it's for your business. It's to make your business better. And you will also now start to get, a better perspective, you will help with the economics of some of those communities and the health of those communities. The more you look deep, and when you look deep, it's not just for you, but it's also good for you. Because don't look at it in terms of here's what I can do for them. Mm. Look at it in terms of what are they doing for me. Because any of the projects I've been involved in where I'm dealing with minority populations or people who are not as influent as or, or have had the breaks that I've had or some of the uh, uh, opportunities that I've had, I have learned I have learned that um, there are um, ways that a lot of these folks have made decisions or what drives them or motivates them have been different than what's motivated me. And I have found a lot of it to be a lot more inspirational because it's coming from their heart Mm. and it's coming from circumstance, making the best of kind of rough circumstances. You know, Mm. Um, man, I've, I've gathered more, I've gotten more value out of some of those mentoring things than they've gotten from me, I think. And so that's the mentoring, you know, um, uh, you know, aspect. Um, I'm a huge, huge believer, you know, in that as, as best as you possibly can. And, and I've offered myself up through uh, an incubator in the Hartford area where I've worked with a number of different people. One in particular, um, who's in who's uh, in Bridgeport and he's uh, an ex-felon. And he's trying he's trying to bring healthy food to his community.
2: Mm. That's
1: something called soul to soul. Mm. and you know and that's that's tiny somebody might look at this and say ah you know this little tiny thing it's not tiny that's big and this mm. kid needs support like you wouldn't believe because he's really scaling up uh, up, up a wall on this you know mm. wow. uh, and also an organization i'm involved in uh called elevate uh which really does a lot of really good uh, mentoring isn't even the right kind of word for it, but working with urban youth mm. um to uh to build relationships with them so that they ultimately can see opportunities and have more access to opportunities than I've had too. Mm. you know, a, a big thing for all of us to do is just shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you find yourself getting defensive and saying, you know, I'm not that, or I'm not this or that, or I don't like that word or this or that. Yeah. But what about this? What about that neighborhood down the street? Just every now and again, just, just shut up and listen. Yeah. And just see, even if you disagree with somebody, ninety-five percent. There's a five percent there that might open up the door in your in your in your life in your heart.
2: Mm-hmm. That will make
1: you better at what you do,
2: right. You know? uh,
1: right? And make you realize that no, you don't have all the answers. You never did, and you probably never will.
2: Mm-hmm. but
1: You'll be a better person. And if, if if by the way, if all that drives you is making money, then you know what. It will help you make more money, if that's what's true.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? It's really interesting that you say that. And I chuckle when you say it. But really, in the marketing world, the way that you have to to talk to people and even convince them that the work of dismantling racism will help you make more money is sometimes how you have to talk to people. But ultimately, we would love if it would change their hearts and their souls and understand that we are all indeed in this thing together, but that's the marketing piece—speaking a language that people can hear.
1: Yeah, mix mix it up with communities that are not that you're not comfortable with. Hmm. You know, I'm not saying you do anything goofy, you know, <laughs> but just mix it up. You know, whether it's some kind of volunteering or any little thing, you know.
0: And how do you help people do that? Because there are people out here. In 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 my experience. There are white folks who have never, ever been in a community that had people of color in it. So how do you, uh, what could you offer as a white person? What could you offer to other white people that would help them to be more comfortable or to get past their discomfort and do the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, I think part of it is you start with a group that's receptive to wanting to do something. There's plenty of people that are now saying they want to, whether they will or not, I don't know but it's really working with folks to really um, get them to understand that everybody has some sort of talent that's out there, you know, uh, whether it's musical talent, real, real art, or just something, God knows what. Um, And what can you do to really help kids in some of these communities to learn your talent and to understand your talent? So let's say you're like a well-established artist living on a shorefront community, And life is good, you know, and you're a little bit more woke today than you were yesterday. And you want to say the right things and you want to drink the right white wine and all that kind of stuff. That's all fine and good. But think about the talent that you have. And Mm. if you're in where I am in Connecticut, you've got a community to the east of you called New Haven, another one to the west of you called Bridgeport, where there's a lot of budding artists that a lot of kids that would like to be budding artists out there. This is one example. It's kind of it's it's sort of a real example, but um, you know. So, what can you do with some of the schools that are out there? What can you do with some of the community organizations? There's boys clubs, there's girls clubs. You know, there, there's all sorts of organizations that are trying their best to reach out to work with different communities. Mm-hmm. And you just say, hey, you know what? Here's a talent I have. Maybe they'd like to know a little bit more about business. Mm-hmm. Ah, but, but also my counsel would be when you go into it, go into it not with what am I teaching you? It's go into it with your learning. Mm. What are you going to learn that will make you better at what you do? And okay. then, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Other no, ways.
0: actually, I think that's beautiful. I, I, I think you've given the audience uh, two things really in particular is to start with maybe an established Organization or some community, as you said, that's receptive. But also go in seeking to be one who learns, as opposed to having to be the one to instruct. There's there's a there's a skill that you might be given, but what can you learn? So I'd have to uh, uh, to ask you, what do you think you've learned about yourself through this process?
1: What did I learn about myself? Um, you know, I I think what, what I learned about myself is that um, I, I just had the I have the ability to be able to open up more than just the people around me. You know, if I was born and bred in a certain community within New York, I would have just been within that community. You know, just thinking about my name and there's nothing wrong with all that. But what, it, what it's opened uh, me up to is sort of the obligations back, obligations and opportunities uh, to be able to, um, you know, utilize your talents and feel as if you're doing something, you know, a little bit better. You know, I kind of figured if, if only 10% of the people out there uh, went ahead and, and, and tried to um, uh, benefit, um, I'm sorry about that. If only about 10% of the people out there tried to benefit one individual, think about how many millions of people that would impact. Yeah. You
0: know. I appreciate you saying that because I was thinking when you were talking about the uh, gentleman who's doing the soul to soul work and you said somebody's going to say that's just a little thing but think about you impacting him and even if he impacted 20 people maybe those 20 people will now impact 200 people and ultimately you get to those millions of people that really you had an impact on, even if it was indirectly.
1: Right. You, do, you know, and I, and I think um, you have to put in your head, there's nothing to be afraid of.
0: Mm, right. Well, and I am so, so thankful for this conversation that we have had today. I know there's, there's always much, much more that we could talk about. Uh, if you have a final word that you'd like to wrap us up with, I I'd love to, I hear it before we close out the show, but thank you so much. And I do hope you'll, you'll come back and visit us again.
1: I will. My final word is everybody can make a difference. Be confident in that. Look down. Don't be afraid of anything.
0: All I don't right.
1: care what you are. Just, you know, go for it.
0: <laughs> so tell us if people wanted to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Just this email is uh, ed at vitallinks.com and it's spelled v as in victor v-i-t-a-l-i-n-c-s dot com vital inks keep your ink vital ed at vitallinks.com and i'd love to hear from people you know uh the good the bad the ugly the sweet <laughs> the sour whatever whatever you think you know that's fine because i said i come from my perspective i can't answer to anybody else's perspective but for what i own what i observe right. And I try to observe a lot more so I can balance that perspective.
0: Well, thank you, Ed, for your perspective. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to today's show. I want to invite you that as you leave this place today to do what you can, where you can, whether you are a CEO or whether you're the person that answers the phone you have an obligation to do what is best for all of humanity. So I pray that today you'll tap into that sacred part of you that will allow you to step out in courage. If you want to know more about ways in which you can dismantle racism, I invite you to visit my website at sacredintelligence.com. You can also find out about the programs that I offer there. And please do stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps his guests to walk through life with the greatest ease and joy. We'll see you next time on Dismantle Racism. Bye for now.
2: Educate and power.